This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Hey, it is great to see you. I want to welcome you to C3, especially if today is your very first time hanging out with us. We want you to know that your future is our focus. And in the life of C3, you really do matter. I was off last Sunday out of town, and uh, Barry, one of our pastors, did such an amazing job wrapping up Romans chapter 12. Always does a fantastic job. And I'm kind of jealous, I got to be honest, because Barry got to talk about Christmas Hallmark movies and how all 300 have the same plot. I watched the message. And he did such an amazing job, such, such a good passage, so helpful. And then this morning, we're moving into Romans 13, and we're going to talk about how we interact with the government. <laughs> so I thought about calling and saying, hey, man, do next week too. But next time, I'll plan that better. But what's interesting, what's interesting to me is, many, many months ago, when God started in my heart that, hey, you, you need to... You need to go verse by verse through the book of Romans. And by the way, if you're a guest, that's what we're doing. We're, we're preaching through this letter that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. He used the Apostle Paul to write this to the church in Rome. And we're going through this book because Romans is full of theology. It's full of not only what we need to believe, but, but here's the reality. In the life of a Christ follower, in the life of a church, it's not only important to know what we believe, but it's important to know why we believe what we believe. And Romans does a great job with that. So in the first 11 chapters, uh, it's basically, hey, here's your relationship with God. God is perfect. God is holy. We are the problem. And then you move into chapter 12, and there's a transition where it's like, okay, here's how you interact with each other. And today, here's how you interact with the government. So back when God laid this on my heart, he knew, but I did not know all that would be happening politically on the Sunday that I would talk about this. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you this morning to listen to what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. And especially if you don't know me, please listen to what I'm saying, not what you think I'm saying. Because often when we listen to somebody, whether in a conversation or in a church service like this, each one of us, I do it, you do it, we, we bring our own baggage and history to the conversation. Hey, I'm not the pastor you knew somewhere else. I'm me. And so this morning, I have one agenda, and that's Jesus, and that's it. But we have to roll through this passage because God knew. God knew. Our God loves us so much. He knew we'd be living in some cray-cray times. And he said he, he wants to lay out as followers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus how, how do I live as a resident of this nation but a citizen of God's kingdom when life, government, society, and culture has gone wills off? How do I do that? What does that look like? Some of you in this room, you think right now we have the worst president we've ever had in the history of the nation. Some of you in this room, you think the last president we had was the worst president we've had in the history of this nation. And the reality is there are going to be seasons and times when you think, hey, we got a pretty good one. And there are going to be other times when you think, hey, this is terrible. But in all of the conversation and in all of our beliefs about who's good and who's bad and who's wrong and who's right, there is one thing we know for sure. 
God has said that you and I, as followers of Jesus, have a responsibility to pray for our leaders. We've got talking about our leaders down. I'm not sure we have talking to God about our leaders down. And so these verses deal with real life. And every now and then I meet people that say, "Ah, I don't want to hear about politics at church. That's one of the amazing things about scripture. There's no issue that it leaves alone. Because the reality is our faith should inform our politics. And our faith should inform how we function in culture and society when we love the leadership or when we don't like the leadership. When we love laws that are passed and when we don't like laws that are passed. How do we navigate that? So it's going to be fun and it's going to get gooder and gooder. But Romans chapter 13, I know gooder is not a word, but I'm originally from Texas and that's where new words come from. So I just make them up. Romans chapter 13, verse one, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you'll be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Some of you are thinking, it's dark in here. How do I slip out for an early lunch? Like, what? There's something you and I need to understand. Part of the reason we have laws is to limit evil. Part of the reason governments exist is to limit evil. For example, the law that you can't murder anybody, that's a pretty good one. Like, I'm a fan. The law that you can't mess with children, good law. Like, we, we, need to, we need to enforce it more consistently, but, but good law. Now, you're not going to eradicate evil. Murder still takes place. Children are still harmed. But the fact that you have these laws in place, the fact that ideally there are consequences that take place when you break the law, laws are in place, and part of the role of government is to limit evil. Civil authority exists to restrain vice, Church authority exists to promote virtue, and we've gotten it mixed up. We try to use civil authority to promote virtue, which is laughable, and often, if we're not careful, we try to use church authority to restrain vice, because everybody knows what the church is against. Everybody knows what church people believe. Now, in a lot of churches like ours, a very diverse church from thought, a very diverse church in many ways, There are different beliefs in different systems. You are sitting on a row with people that don't think the same as you about everything. And I think that's called good. I I, I think that it's a positive thing that we can bring ideas together. What we've done, though, is we have lost the art of discussing ideas. And we've come to the place in our culture and society where if you disagree with me, you're worthless. If you disagree with me, I don't have to listen to you. In fact, if you disagree with me, somebody needs to shut you up forever, and I don't have to connect with you at all. But there's diversity of thought, and I think we'll begin to discover when we function in the way God wants us to function, it is the church's responsibility to promote virtue, not the government. They do a terrible job of it. It is the government's job 
to restrain vice. That's why they're there. Verse, verse 5. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only two reasons, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Submit. We don't like that word. Because the reality is, all of us have authority issues. There's something in our nature, if somebody says, you can't do this, inside we're like, oh yeah? Years ago, Angie went to London, and she went with her grandmother on a trip to London, and so this was when the girls were really little. We didn't have the boys yet. The girls were little. So for 10 days, it was me and our little girls, and they had cake for breakfast every day. It was awesome. And Angie, she came back to the house. She said, oh, the house is so clean. And she opened the back door, and there were stacks of boxes, pizza boxes out the back. That's the best I could do. But she was in London, and she told me about this place on the sidewalk where she was walking, and there's grass there, and there's a little sign. She said there's a sign that said, it is forbidden to walk on the grass. Now, if I read that sign, you, many of you, think the same thing I do. Like, there's something in us. We like to tell people what to do, but we don't want anybody telling us what to do. And so part of the, the spiritual character, part of maturity as a follower of Jesus is learning the strength in yielding my will to God's and learning what it looks like to submit to authority, even authority I don't like. This is also <clears throat> why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants, <clears throat> and somebody has to pay for the new 87,000. Oh, no, that's not it. My bad. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt of love to one another. Whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And that love does not have an expiration date. And that love is not limited to the people that agree with you. When Jesus was asked, remember, what is the bottom line? He said, love God and love others. He did not say, love God and love everybody that votes like you. Love God and love everybody that thinks like you. Love God and love others. How are we doing? As followers of Jesus, in difficult days, when so much of life is crazier than it's ever been, when we are told from multiple corners to believe lies as truth, how are we doing in loving God and loving others? And we read those verses, and you, you might be thinking inside, no, mm-mm. Not me, man, that, that was written, written 2,000 years ago. There's no way Jesus would expect me to, to, to submit to, to yield to, to, to obey the laws that, that are being passed. Some of those, there, there's no way Jesus would expect me to honor the government and submit to that. Really? The Holy Spirit of God inspired the Apostle Paul to write this letter to the church in Rome, a church that was under the most oppressive government in all of history up until that point. A government that would do its best to eradicate Christians and kill and murder them. The same government that would eventually kill Paul. The same government that murdered Jesus. Paul is writing to the church in Rome, in the city of Rome. Romans in the city of Rome. The words we just read. Living under a tyrannical, horrible government. And he says, be a good citizen. Follow the laws. But how... How do we? 
how do we practically, as a follower of Jesus, in a culture and under a government that often does not value what the Bible values, how do we live this right now in 2022? Verse 1, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. I looked up that word everyone. You know what that word, you know what that word everyone means in the, in the literal language? That word everyone means everyone except for you. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Everyone, you know what it means? It means everyone. It, it includes you. You are not the exception. And by the way, we are not the exception. It means everyone. The people, the, the, those of you that are convinced you're more right than you've ever been in your life, it includes you. Those of you that can't stand this or can't stand that, it includes you. Those of you, if you could get paid for the vomit you put on social media, you'd be billionaires. It includes you. You, you can't stand it anymore. You just got to go type something. And the reality is you have no self-control. And you don't understand. I've never met one person that read a post on Facebook and thought, dadgummit, I've been wrong this whole time. I think they're right. I've never met that person. All people do is get angry and angry. So are you adding to the hostility? Are you building up people and adding to love, which does not abandon truth, but does it in a way that it can be received? We're just getting started. We're only going to be here three or four hours. Look. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Subject to, you know what it means? Obey the law. It means obey the law, but it goes deeper than obeying the law. It means my attitude needs to obey the law. Have you ever had one of your kids and you told them, hey, you need to go clean your room? And you go look at it and they didn't clean the room and you say, I told you, you need to go clean your room. And they stomp out and they go, I mean, they're cleaning the room on the outside, but on the inside, they're cussing you out. That's what the, this goes deeper than just obey the law. It means be a good citizen at heart. Here's what it means. Don't live by loopholes and don't live by strongholds. As a follower of Christ, don't look for loopholes of how you can get out of obeying whatever. Well, I know we're supposed to do this, but you know, I just think. And don't live by strongholds. You know what I've discovered? There are a lot of people that you and I know that think they're the Holy Spirit. And they think it's their job to tell you how to live and what you need to do and what you should obey and how you should function. The world, the world would be a such better place if we just would mind our own business and leave. Listen, one of the beautiful things that I love about what I do is I do my best. I do my best to honor God, to honor and love you. And part of loving is sometimes saying things that you don't want to hear. I'm not here to, to lead us to where we want to go. I'm here to lead us where we need to go. And sometimes that's difficult, but it requires love. And that's part of what I want to accomplish is making sure I do that. I'm not here to take you off. I did not wake up this morning and say, wow, look at those verses. Let's go make some people mad. No, no, no. But when my kids were little, if they wanted to go play out in the middle of I-4, the most loving thing I could do was say, heck to the no. Sometimes no is the most loving word. Sometimes stop is the most loving word. And we need to have the courage to be able to receive that and process and think, but at the end of the day, the results aren't up to me. Everything we're talking about, it's between you and God. You have to decide for you if you believe the Bible is the word of God or not. 
Like that issue drives so much. You've got to decide for you, is the Bible the word of God? Because if it is, then I have to place myself under the authority of the word of God and live what the word of God teaches. Or does it just contain the word of God? Well, there's some parts I think God meant. Well, who gets to decide what God's word is and what's not? You, you're not perfect. Like, how do you know? Me, I'm not perfect. So, so much of, so much of life issues are settled when I make the foundational decision, is the Bible the word of God or not? And if it is, I have a responsibility to live my life according to it. We have to always let the fullness of the word of God speak to each teaching. And of course, there are nuances to this. Does this mean that everything the government says, every law the government passes, I just have to obey it all? No. The Bible says children obey your parents. But if your parents say, hey, I want you to go to school and beat up a kid, you don't obey that. The Bible says that in Hebrews, as Christ followers, we're to obey the leaders of the church. But if you have a leader of a church that loses their mind and goes nuts and says stuff that's not accurate in Scripture, don't obey that. So there are nuances to this. It doesn't mean no matter what, obey the law. We have to take the word of God as a whole. It's meant to be taken that way. And biblical submission, placing myself under the authority of what God has asked me to place myself under the authority of, which is our government, biblical submission is neither blind nor absolute, but it is always respectful. Acts chapter 4, verses 18 and 20, the apostles are told not to preach anymore by the government. And they said, I'm sorry, we can't do this. We have to obey God, not man. And they disobeyed. In Daniel chapter 3, there were three young guys. And they, they were told, hey, you have to bow and worship King Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful king in the world. You've got to begin to worship him. And they said, no, we can't do that. We only worship one God. At the intersection where the law that is passed collides with the truth of Scripture, no, you obey God. And we have many biblical examples of that. Being subject to government does not mean you obey every single law. But it does mean you function with respect and you accept the consequences when you don't obey. It takes, it takes no strength to respond to the daily news with passionate anger. It takes no strength to throw fits. The weakest people can do that. It takes incredible strength to function respectfully in insanity. So what's the purpose of this? Like, if we know that there's no perfect system, if we know that there's no perfect government, why, why would God lay this out in Scripture? What is the ultimate purpose? To spread the good news of Jesus. He's saying, let's do everything we can to make Jesus look as good as he is, even to people in government. Be aware of how others view you. The church for too long has been viewed, has been viewed as obnoxious and judgmental and hateful and spiteful and, and angry, and those kinds of people don't reach anybody. He's saying, live in such a way that those in government that can be influenced by you, local government, state government, national government, those you may run into, live in such a way that even though they may not agree with you, they respect you, and they see you as somebody that represents the God you say you know and love. Represent Jesus well to those who don't know him. The Apostle Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, tells us the same thing. 1 Peter chapter 2, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles 
to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves, listen, 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 for the Lord's sake, you're not doing it for them, to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Like that. There's no wiggle room there. There's no yeah, but. The purpose of this is that you and I are to represent Jesus well and to spread the good news of Jesus. And the things that happen to you, we talk a lot of times about what happens to you can help shape who you are, but in many ways, things that happen to you they more so reveal who you currently are. Who are you? Parents, how are you leading your kids to respond to what you believe is wrong? And we can make a list, like, I get it. But ultimately, as important as elections are, and I believe they are extremely important, as important as our laws are, and I believe they're extremely important, as important as it is to vote for people that honor Scripture, I believe it's extremely important. I've never voted for a man or a woman to be my Savior. I already have one. And ultimately, I trust Him. And ultimately, I'm called to represent Him because every single person you and I lock eyes with is deeply loved by God and just as valuable as you are. And we might we might go further in convincing people of some of our ideas and beliefs if we learn to show respect instead of disgust. So do you live in a way, do you live in a way that people who disagree with you believe that you value them and respect them as someone that God created? Do people you disagree with see the love of God in you? You go back and study history. My father was a history teacher for many years, and so on the summers when we'd go on vacation, we always went camping for like three weeks somewhere. We'd go different places. And one of the things we always did on every vacation, it's, it's kind of weird, but he was a history teacher, so we would tour old cemeteries. I told you it was weird. Like, he likes reading gravestones. <laughs> he likes, like, go get them, man. I'll wait in the car. And, and, and this was before cell phones or video games or, like, you just bored out your mind. But you're walking. He loves history. You go back and you study history. And you, you look at all of the religious wars, all the wars that have happened in the name of religion. During the Crusades, where they were killing people who didn't have faith, were people coming to Jesus authentically in droves? No because it was more about wiping out than reaching out. And if we're not careful, we can become so passionate about what we believe politically and what we believe is wrong. If we're not careful, we can function in a mode of wiping out instead of reaching out. 
Whatever you do as a follower of Jesus, whatever I do as a follower of Jesus, we need to try to live our lives no matter what in a way that makes Jesus look as good as he really is. And please remember, (laughs) don't email me about this because I'm not going to read it. I'm just telling you right now what I'm about to say. Just like, it's true, you know it's true, you're not going to like it, but please remember, God is always in control of who gets to be in control. Ultimately, a nation gets what it deserves. We are here, we are here not because of Republicans and Democrats and independents. We are here because of us. Because the church has done a miserable job in culture of representing Jesus well. We are here because we talk more about our politics than we talk about our Jesus. We are here because we get frustrated with how people vote more than we're burdened by people not knowing Jesus. We are here because we have a list of what we think is right and wrong, but we do very little to benefit and help people we disagree with. We are here because we are known for being hateful. We are known for discounting people. We are known for devaluing people. We are here because we don't know how to authentically love. We are here because we are more about dividing than adding. The most divided place in most churches on a Sunday mor- in the nation on a Sunday morning is churches. Because most of them, it's, it's one ethnicity. I just got to tell you, one thing I love about C3, if it's all white, it ain't right. And by the way, if it's all black, it ain't right. If it's all Hispanic, it ain't right. Like, heaven's going to be full of everybody. And, and we are here because of the hate that a lot of people that say they love Jesus have spewed in our culture. We are where we are as a nation because as followers of Jesus, we're not following Jesus. Chronicles in the Old Testament says it's time for judgment to begin where? In the house of God. We spend our entire focus and energy on what they're doing wrong and how they're leading wrong and how this president's horrible and how that's... You you do understand every single president we've ever had is just as loved by God as you are. And the absolute nonsense of hate that is spewed by followers of Jesus toward people that God created, you don't have to agree with them. You don't even have to like them. But you do need to respect them. And when you don't, you devalue everything you say you believe. You don't respect them because of who they are. You respect them because of the office that God allowed them to be in. And sometimes, sometimes nations have leaders, sometimes nations have governments as punishment for how they're living, for the choices they've made. We would do well to understand that we need to stop trying to divide people and label people and categorize people we would do well to understand that every single man and woman is created in the image of God. We would do well to begin to understand and shift our thinking and stop this nonsense that tries to divide us and recognize that every person, no matter what the color of your skin, we are all one race. It's called the human race. Deeply loved by God, deeply valued by God, and we're called to love each other. Ultimately, a nation gets what it deserves. Now, I said ultimately, not immediately. Have you ever, there are times I'm driving. We just drove back from Texas Friday, and for some insane reason, we decided to do the whole trip in one day. And, and so after a few hours, 
I'm, I'm, I'm wishing I had some type of weapons in the headlights that I could push triggers and get rid of some people, but I'm just being honest, it's church. I mean, God already knows I think it. I'm going to get charged for it. I might as well say it. So the reality is I, I just, there are people, listen, is there anybody that you think, man, I just wish the judgment of God would fall on that person. I, I just wish God would take care of that. I think that, and then I think about how, how patient God is with me. Isn't it interesting I want God to be patient with me, but I want him to judge and eradicate you? Our God is a patient God, so ultimately a nation gets what it deserves, but ultimately it's not immediately because our God is a patient God, and in reality, we should be very grateful that our God is a patient God. I'm so glad that he's patient with me. Ultimately, a nation gets what it deserves. You, you get what you follow. You can't have a Christian nation if people that are Christ followers don't follow the teachings of Jesus. You, you can't. Nor should we as Christ followers expect people that don't know Jesus to live like they do. In many ways, we are living the consequences of a series of choices that diminish the Word of God, that diminish prayer, a series of choices where we, in a culture, pick and choose what we'll obey out of the Bible, and the things that we don't like or we feel are outdated, we, we don't worry about that. We can run our mouth and run down a president and run down a government and talk about all the things they're doing wrong, while at the same time robbing God because as a follower of Jesus, you don't put him first financially. What do you think he's more upset about? We can talk about everything the government's supposed to do, while at the same time, living with somebody we're not married to or having sex with somebody we're not married to, and we know what Scripture teaches. Why is it that we get to discount the Word of God, but we want to hold other people accountable to it? And the reality is when God judges a nation, any nation, good people of faith are impacted. In this fallen world, good and godly people also walk through consequences of a fallen world. So what's the point of being a follower of Christ? Here's the point. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust, that, that nations and people walk through difficult times and that sometimes we get the results and the consequences of our own actions and our own beliefs and that God establishes the government and the leadership and we get what we deserve. But, but the reality is, as a follower of Jesus, God doesn't protect you from that, but he will protect you in that. God doesn't protect you from it, but he'll protect you in it. So in this election season, I drove by the library yesterday. Good night, Susie, man. I, I think we took out a whole forest just for that one library, all those signs. And you can't read any of them because they're all in front of each other. I don't even understand it. I don't understand it. But in this election season, in this upside-down, lost-its-mind world, where a lot of leaders in every party in persuasion don't just disagree but defy the teachings of Scripture, what do we do? First of all, you and I have a responsibility that is actually an opportunity to pray for our leaders. And before you diminish the thought of praying for our leaders, think about what prayer is. When you pray, you are talking to the God of the universe, the creator of everything that has invited you to call him Father. He's invited you to come in and talk to him about things. Sometimes we discount prayer as a last resort when in actuality prayer should be our first option because it is the most powerful thing we have. Pray for our leaders. 
And I got a feeling, like, if right now, if you're one of those people that right now you don't like the leader we have, whether it's the president or the governor, that way I'm an equal opportunity offender, two different parties. Like, if you don't like, what if you prayed for them? And what if God used your prayers to change their mind about something? Because your social media posts won't. Did I say that earlier? I mean, I'm just trying. We're in an election year. Like, some of you just need, you need to cancel your freaking Facebook. Like, you just need to stop. Or if you do keep putting that stuff, hey, come here on Sundays, but check in at some other church in Orlando on Facebook, please. <laughs> don't do that. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Pray for, pray for our leaders. Number two, daily work on becoming better personally and our nation will be better. Daily work on becoming better personally. Focus on you. You live for Jesus. You follow the teachings of Jesus. When you get convicted about sin in your life, you respond in a way that you yield authority to the Spirit of God in your life. You, you allow the Spirit of God to transform you. You don't discount the Word of God, and you love God, and you love others authentically, and you respect people because they're a creation of God. Daily work on becoming better personally, and our nation will become better. Number three, live in a way that those I disagree with. Know that I love them more than I love my arguments. Live in a way that they know I respect them as human beings. Listen, church, if we just did that, it doesn't mean you have to check your convictions at the door. It doesn't mean that what you're passionate about is not important. It just means there's something a little more important. His name is Jesus, and he loves every single person. And you and I will gain influence and credibility when we love and respect people. And I've just learned people are much more willing to listen to what I say when I'm willing to listen to what they have to say. When we can have a respectful conversation. And there are conversations I've sat down in coffee shops and restaurants and had a conversation with people that we are on opposite ends. Because I won't do it in here, but in a private conversation, if you ask me, I'll tell you what I think about things. I mean, I probably do it too much in here sometimes, but I try to restrain that. But in a private conversation, well, but, but I love it when I can have a conversation with somebody and we walk away disagreeing, but we love each other. And life's okay. Because we are called to represent Jesus and for him to be seen as good as he truly is. And if he lives inside you, you should live differently. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you for the truth of your word. And Father, I pray for every person in this room. And I, I know, God, I know there are huge issues there are major things at stake. You've got to understand from history that the decisions we make, the laws we pass, the people we elect, how, how it sets the direction and the trajectory of a, of a nation. I, I, I get all that, God. And in no way do I diminish the importance of that. But ultimately, Father, we recognize that you alone are God. And our hope is in you and you alone. And for some reason, before we were ever born, before we ever lived in 2022, you inspired as your word, your living, breathing word, the verses we read today saying, here is how you interact with the government as a follower of Jesus. And God, you always know best. So I pray that through your spirit, you would transform us. That we would represent you well in day-to-day -day life, even to the people that we don't agree with. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning. And deep down, 
you know that the greatest need in your life is to become a follower of Christ. I mean, the amazing thing about our God is he lays out how to function in relationships, how to live life, how to view yourself, how to view others. Today we looked at one passage, but the word of God is full of, hey, here's how you live the life I created you to live. Here's how you live your best life. And that is not possible without knowing God in a personal way. And so maybe this morning, you know deep down inside, you, you need to give your life to Christ. If that's you, I'd like to lead you in a simple prayer this morning. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. But if you'd like to invite Jesus to come into your life, forgive your sins, give you a home in heaven and live in, you th in this life and walk through this life with you, just pray this simple prayer. Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive my sin and help me to live for you. As best I know how, I commit my life to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to know it. You can text your name to 407-487-8311 and Pastor Byron will be praying for you this week. And also, we want to thank you for your faithful generosity. You can go to giveC3.cc or you can text C3Orlando to 77977. Thank you so much for how you give. And if you are in Central Florida, please join us in person at our campus at 9.30 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Have a great week.